you know, stop overthinking. <laughs> you can't control everything. It's okay. Just let it be. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. Together, we will break all the stereotypes about Ukrainians so that when the flag of Ukraine is lifted anywhere in the world, everyone will know Ukraine and its unique culture because today, Ukraine has a dynamic new generation that will change the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 215 people participated in this project for Ukraine, from the vice president of the Helen Marlin Group to the vice chancellor of the UGCC Church, to the president of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the president of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Ukraine Global Scholars, Yale University, Harvard, and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. So if you wish to participate, send me a message on Instagram at aziz.future and join the Telegram channel Kyiv Future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 50 in the United Kingdom, France, Switzerland and Monaco. Top 25 in Austria, Germany, Canada, Russia, and Poland. Top 15 in Australia, Italy, Spain, and Dubai. And top 10 in Norway, Sweden, the Netherlands, South Korea, Singapore, and many other places. Because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people and this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Sofia Mikhailichenko. Sofia is from Sumy, Ukraine. She is a Flex alumna of 2019 in South Webster, Ohio. Currently, she is a mathematical sciences major with an actuarial science concentration at Shawnee State University in Portsmouth, Ohio. Throughout her life, she tried many different hobbies. She was in the art club for four years during elementary school, drama club for five years in middle school, rock climbing mountaineering club for four years in middle high school, 
in middle school and high school, Sophia loves reading, swimming, cross-stitching, crocheting, riding a bike, hiking, and volunteering. She was a teacher volunteer for Engine Program. She was a speaker for Flex Learning Online webinar series where she talked about stress and how to cope with it. She gave a presentation about Flex Program in Sumi after she came back from her exchange year, and she frequently volunteers with Education USA. She is a blood donor through Red Cross, a volunteer for Rotary Club through the Rotaract Club on campus, and for Friends of Portsmouth. She is also very involved in various on-campus activities at her university, and she does various jobs as an office assistant and a math tutor. Her favorite quote right now is, stop overthinking, you can't control everything, just let it be, which was written by an unknown. Sophia, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here as your guest. I'm happy to have you here, and I wish to begin with something more emotional. When you, Sophia, wish to feel truly alive, to feel those emotions that you really love, what do you like to do? Well, because I'm so busy all the time and I'm either working or doing some schoolwork or I also enjoy hanging out with my friends and family, uh, my host family, because I still see them even after the exchange year. Um, what I mostly like to do is just take some alone time and go on walks or do some readings um, or maybe some of my hobbies like riding a bike or crocheting and cross-stitching. Okay, tell me about crocheting and cross-stitching. How did you begin that hobby and what is the emotion that it gives you? Um, actually, I began doing it um, because of school. Um, when I was in the elementary school, I believe, um, and throughout middle school, we had a class called handicraft. And that's when I was introduced to cross-stitching. And then it turned out that um, my grandma likes cross-stitching as well, as well as my dad, which was a little bit uh, funny to me. Um, but uh, because of school, I started doing it and I really, really enjoyed it. So I started doing, doing my own free time, not just for a school project. Um, and during this activity, I feel really relaxed. And um, now that I've done cross-stitching so many times, sometimes I don't even think about the motion of cross-stitching itself, but I can do something else and kind of like multitask and think about some other things and listen to music um, or listen to some podcasts. So, yeah. Does it calm you down, the fact that you don't have to think about the motions and can daydream or think about other things, does it relax you or is it more a way to think and find solutions to problems and get perspective on life? That's a really good question. Honestly, I feel like it can be both ways. It just depends on my mood. So, you know, when I'm not worried or stressed and I just want to relax, um, then cross-teaching is a good way to do it. Um, but um, if I'm a little bit worried about something and I want to get a new perspective, cross-teaching can be uh, a way to go as well. Uh, just because I'm the person who likes structure and I actually do like the routine stuff. Uh, you know, like I have my morning routine that I do. Sometimes I have some kind of a night routine that I do. Um, just because that's how I function. Um, I like to have at least a plan. I don't, sometimes I don't follow that plan. But it, as long as I have it, 
my mind is kind of like at peace. Um, so the, um, the fact that now I'm so, uh, I don't want to say so good at cross-teaching, but just the fact that I don't have to think about the motion of cross-teaching and I can just do it and do something else while doing cross-teaching um, calms me down or gives me a new perspective on some things that I want to. Thank you. That sounds really cool and helps to understand you more. So you like structure, you like uh, some planning or a bit of routine. And we might speak about that a bit further, but tell me about reading. What does it give you that is totally different to volunteering or crochet, etc.? Oh, reading. Uh, honestly, it might sound a little cheesy, but um, I really enjoy reading um, science fiction and fantasy. And so for me, reading is kind of a way to, you know, get into a different world and kind of escape from the reality. Um, and um, honestly, I really like reading um, fantasy books like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. I'm actually reading Percy Jackson series right now. Um, and not so long ago, I actually had a conversation with my friends about reading. And it turns out that not all the people read the same way, if that makes sense. So all of them have different voices reading the book to them uh, when you read, um, you know, not aloud, um, but kind of in your head. And also, it turns out that not all the people imagine what you read about. So I'm a really visual person as well. And so when I read a book, again, <laughs> I sometimes, I don't want to say I don't see the words, but I kind of see images floating in front of my eyes as I read the book, like uh, about the stories and characters. And it turned out not all my friends do that. They like some of them actually just see the words and just kind of read the book. And it doesn't give them as much satisfaction as it does to me because I'm kind of like watching a movie as I read the book, if that makes sense. Yes, because I'm very similar, but I met someone who cannot do that and they don't even have a voice in their head. So you said you don't have, like you said, your friends have different voices, etc. Do you see the movie without any voice in your head? Do you sometimes have a voice in your head that is there or you're totally silent in the head, but you have a lot of visual capacity? I think I'm kind of both ways. So I do have a visual image and I also have a narrator voice. And for me, I can't describe the narrator's voice. It's like, it's just there. For example, uh, right now I'm working at the summer camp uh, on campus and the director of the summer camp, um, he was also involved in the conversation about reading. And he said that when he reads, his narrator speaks like a British accent, uh, which I thought was super cool because... Um, for me, it's just like, it's just my voice in, in my head. I hear this voice all the time and I can't even say if it's my voice or if it's like a voice of a female or a male. It's just a voice. Um, so. Thank you. And how is your ability to see that movie out of text? Something that helped you either visualize and imagine plans or projects or anything that helped you in other areas of your life? Yes, just because I'm such a visual person, uh, memorizing kind of comes a little bit easier for me, especially if it's something uh, I have to memorize uh, from either a book or my notes, just because um, if you ask me a question, for example, you know, what's this definition? Sometimes um, I will not remember the definition, but I can exactly tell you like 
the page and the position of this definition on the page. Um, so actually, uh, the ability to uh, visualize things uh, helped me a lot um, in other areas of my life, like studying. Uh, and also, um, when I take part in any kind of events and someone tries to describe something to me, I visualize it in my head and um, I follow that plan. As well as um, sometimes it also makes it a little harder for me to um, work in groups or um, on a team just because I see it so vividly in my head that um, if the person doesn't understand what I'm saying, um, I don't get easily frustrated, but um, it just upsets me because sometimes I don't know how to explain what I see in my head. I understand. And so how do you deal with being a teacher when you are volunteering as a teacher? Because it's literally communicating what's in your head <laughs> to people. So what did you learn about that? Or how did you cope? Oh, uh, actually, uh, it's a really good question. And um, you're absolutely right. It was challenging because being a teacher is, is really challenging. <laughs> Um, that's why I actually am not um, trying to get a degree in teaching just because um, that's not something I'm super good at. But I, uh, when I applied for engine program, um, I wanted to challenge myself and to try something new. So it was a little harder just because at first I didn't know how to explain it to the person. But then I learned that um, the more you talk to your student, the more you learn about the student, about their lifestyle, maybe their hobbies, it makes it easier to explain. Uh, for example, even you know English rules, grammar rules, uh, when you give an example, it's really cool when you can give an example that either the student can relate to or maybe it can be related to a student in some way. So for example, a student really likes reading books and you know that he likes Harry Potter. So when you explain some kind of a grammar rule, you can mention something about Harry Potter. And um, that helps you to get the student involved and um, it just makes it fun for the student. So I just try to um, ask actually for advice from my teachers and professors here. So I actually talk to my advisor and ask some questions, um, how he teaches his classes and how he explains it to students. Um, yeah, I like talking to people and that's how I learned a lot of the things that I know now. Thank you. Actually, what you talked about that you speak about things that are from their lives or interests is called resonance. And so to ask you about something that you're studying, why are you interested or having the option open to become an actuary? Is it your passion? Is it because it's a job you'll excel at? So it's more of a skill thing or why that concentration and choice um so actually a fun fact i uh always always told my parents that i'm not gonna major in mathematical sciences ever in my life and then after flex program i came back home um and i was actually major in mathematical sciences just because uh throughout my flex year I realized that I actually enjoy doing math because I always was good at math and I was always getting good grades in school, but I just didn't feel that like interest and passion about it. But then I got a really good teacher here in South Webster um, and he showed me that, you know, math is actually um, really important in our lives and we can use it in a lot of different ways. And so um, when I decided to apply for Shawnee, to Shawnee State, I knew that I wanted to major in mathematical sciences, but here they have three different programs. The first one is teaching. Um, I believe it's for middle and high school. 
so you can get licensed. And then um, a program that is called generalist program. So it's just a general mathematical degree um, as we probably have um, everywhere. And you can use it in a lot of different ways and combine it with different maybe minors or other majors. And then there was actuarial science, which I honestly didn't know what it was at first. So um, I had to ask my host family if they knew what it was. And my host mom, she is a biology teacher in South Webster High School. And so she actually uh, also teaches for Shawnee State. Um, it's called like a college credit class um, that some of the American high school students can take to get a credit for their college career later on. And so she went to Shawnee State for a presentation and um, for some reason, all the departments in Shawnee State decided to uh, tell about different programs they have on campus uh, to the teachers that were present um, at the presentation. And so my host mom learned a lot about actuarial science program and how it was a new program that uh, they started not so long ago, I believe a couple of years ago. And uh, as of right now, there's only um, one graduate. Well, actually, now there's two graduates from that program. And so uh, she then also told me that she has a friend who is an actuary in real life. And um, she told me all the cool stuff that they do, like that you can work online and you can travel while working. And um, she got a chance to work uh, in Hawaii, I believe. And she loved it so much that she decided to move there. And she could do that because um, being an actuary, all she needed was her like laptop and, you know, some programs. And so now I believe she lives in Hawaii and works and enjoys her life. Um, and so I researched uh, actuarial career a little more. And um, for those who don't know, because I probably should have started with the definition of actuary, but it's a professional in um, financial mathematics. And so he uses, oh, he or she uses um, probability and um, some risk management skills um, to um help companies, uh, usually insurance companies, uh, with decisions. Um, and so for me, uh, because this job is um, highly demanded right now and there are not so many specialists, um, I thought it would be a good opportunity and that um, it would make it a little easier for me to find a job, especially also in Ukraine, because we don't have a lot of actuaries in Ukraine. Um, and uh, also because while you're doing this career, you also help people because honestly, financial mathematics is hard. Insurance is hard. Like even from my own experience, I don't know that much right now, uh, but I want to learn it. And um, I love sharing my knowledge with people and I love helping them with what I can. Um, so that's what kind of motivated me to uh, apply and decide to do this major. Thank you. That sounds fascinating. And since you're speaking about statistics and risk management, etc., I will ask somewhat of a deeper question that relates to your quote, which is that you can't control everything. Well, in reality, the mean or the average or even the median doesn't happen as often as we wish it would. And there's a lot of variance and outliers and whatever results come. So if you're thinking statistically and probabilistically, we don't really cannot control it because we live in a probabilistic world where the outlier could be the next thing that happens. Or in many ways, the fact that you didn't even 
think about doing math and you said you won't do it and you still did it. So if someone went in, back in time, looked at you, they say the probability of you doing math is like 0.1% or one in a million or one in whatever, but then it became 100%. So the outlier became reality. But anyway, the fact that in life, we don't know what will happen. We're living in a world of mathematical randomness. How do you think about that? Did it affect your way you approach life? What is your perspective on this? Well, that's a really deep question. And it's a really good question too. Uh, Because honestly, before Flex program, I didn't really think about a lot of things that I had or that like kind of happened to me just because I either took them for granted or it just was, oh, it's something normal, you know. Um, and as I was going to school, I knew that after I graduated school, I'm going to go to university. And, you know, after that, I'm going to get a job and hopefully start a family and so on and so forth. But then when I tried uh, applying for Flex and I actually applied in 2017 for the first time and I didn't get it the first time, but my best friend uh, did. And so she went on her exchange year while I was still in um, 10th grade and I was going through my 10th grade. Um, And I remember I knew that I had another chance to apply for Flex and I was like, you know what, let's just try. Let's just try it again. Um, And I actually didn't give... Uh, this decision as much thought as I, as I did it the first time I applied. Um, and so I remember when I got a call that um, I was invited to come to the last round for flex testing. That's when I realized I was like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> this is an opportunity I want to take. Um, I need to do something. I do want to go and experience America and American education, American culture. And so I tried and I got it. Uh, And when I came actually to America, so many coincidences happened. Um, You know, um, for example, in my letter to my host family, at the very end, I wrote that um, I'm afraid of spiders. And I just wanted to mention that just because uh, I was afraid that my family, my host family is going to have like spider as a pet and I didn't want to take care of it. But it turned out that my host mom um, that I actually have now, she is terrified of spiders too. And it was kind of like, um, a variable, I guess, in uh, my host family's decision. Uh, they were they are joking about it, but they said as soon as we read it, we were like, "Wow, like we have something in common, something more in common that we already had like throughout the rest of their letter that they read." And so, honestly, now I realize that uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, or we can't predict for sure. We can't know for sure. Um, and I am trying to learn that it's okay to just don't know the answer and just kind of let it go and wait and see what's going to happen. Because again, even if it's COVID, no one could have, an ima- like, could imag- could have imagined uh, that the pandemic can happen. I remember right before COVID hit, I was reading uh, Maze Runner and, you know, it's kind of similar. Like they also had the pandemic and I remember reading it and I could relate to some of the things that um, I read in the book and it was kind of scary and kind of crazy to think what was the chance of us, you know, living through a pandemic, but it actually happened. Um, and so, um, for me, it was a little hard, um, to not be in control just because, as I said, I like to plan, I like to kind of keep to the plan, at least like to the minimum. But now with COVID, for example, I can't really go home because, uh, the restrictions are kind of tight. Um, and so, it was a little hard to go through that, um, but 
I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to talk to people, to my friends. And we all try to learn that, you know, stop overthinking. <laughs> you can't control everything. It's okay. Just let it be. Thank you. That was a great answer. And to extend the question further, you like routine and planning, but is that really a coping mechanism rather than a real thing, knowing that actually the things that really transform our lives are moments of more good luck or being in the right place at the right time or uh, being introduced or knowing a person that tells us about something or offers us an opportunity that changes our lives rather than our plans. So it seems like the plans aren't really what leads us to the next level in our lives, but rather some random good luck event that happens. So what is about planning that is there for you? Is it only to keep you sane so that you have the illusion of certainty in an uncertain world? Or what else does it help you with? What is the purpose of it? Knowing that there is a lot more chaos to reality and to results than we think about. Yes, that's also a really good question. And I really like um, how you explained that, you know, uh, the opportunities and the randomness is what moves us forward and not actually our plans most of the times. And I really do agree with that. Um, because for me, planning is kind of like a coping mechanism, but also because I'm involved in so many things and I like, you know, kind of putting myself out there and trying to get all the opportunities I can. Um, it just helps me to keep everything in place just because, you know, I have my schoolwork I need to take care of. I have my work that I have to take care of. I also want to spend some time with my family. I also want to do something fun and like some of my hobbies. So planning just helps me to time manage time managed everything um but also it might be like a coping mechanism because uh as you said the more i think how chaotic the world is sometimes it get kind of scary um but i keep telling myself that it's okay and we can get through this um and it'll be all right thank you and it's funny that mathematicians understand how chaotic the world is more than most other people who think no it's just like astrology or whatever, and we know everything that's going to happen. And to ask you then again, you're involved with so many things. And there are two schools of thought that seem to be predominant, whether in business that they say, actually, if you have more than three strategic initiatives, or if you're doing more than three things, the quality of your focus and attention decreases too much, whether through multitasking or the fact that you're exhausted and not resting enough because you're doing so much. And therefore, you end up with more if you do less. While other people say, no, come on, man, we live in a life where the more you give, the more you get back. So work 80 hours a week or whatever, like Elon Musk says. And that's how you achieve because you will have three times the, the experience than someone who does only 30 hours or whatever a week. Well, other people will say, actually, if you do 80 hours a week, you'll be so tired and distracted that you'll be useless almost. What are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with like some business leaders and strategic thinkers that say if you have more than three things that you're working on long term, you're dissipating your focus and resources? Or do you agree with Elon Musk and other people who say, no, if you really are serious about it, you should work for 10 years, for example, 
20 hours a day, <laughs> tries to sleep less and hope for the best. What are your thoughts? Mm, that's a good question, too. I feel like um, I kind of can agree with both just because um, I definitely can see over, um, how overworking yourself can be harmful and, you know, focusing on more than three things is hard. Um, again, talking from personal experience, speaking from personal experience, you know, doing schoolwork and oh, like working on campus and also being involved in clubs is a little challenging. But because I enjoy doing all of these things, um, I can actually time manage. Uh, but at the same time, I don't try to push myself too far. And uh, as you said, work 80 hours a week unless I really want to. So, for example, uh, for our math club that I'm a secretary for on campus, um, we got this opportunity to take part in a video contest. Um, I think at the beginning of uh, fall semester, like last year, uh, and we only had a week to do it. And I remember that we really, really wanted to do it. Uh, but I also had, um, you know, work and my school work that I had to uh, finish. And um, I like that was the week when I probably spent more time for the math club than I ever um, did before. Um, and honestly, I didn't regret it, even though, yes, I didn't get enough sleep um, and maybe I was exhausted. But uh, the end result uh, that when I saw the video felt great and I really enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed the process of making it with uh, my friends and um, my advisors. Um, and so honestly, I think uh, it all depends on the person uh, and kind of like uh, what their goals are in life. And for me, I strive to find a balance between, you know, being super busy uh, and working for my end goal. Um, and it, it can be challenging. Uh, that's true. But um, I think uh, also if you use all the resources that you have um, and you just keep in mind that you're not alone in all of this and you can actually talk to other people and, uh, you know, get some help and some maybe guidance and advice from them uh, that it makes it a little easier. I like what you're saying, especially the importance of the help of other people. And therefore, I'll ask you something about productivity, which is a puzzling higher thought, which is the intersection of Parkinson's law and the student syndrome. Parkinson's law is that work expands to fill the time available. So if you work on a project and you say, I have a month to do it, you'll finish it in a month. If you say, I have a week, you'll manage to do it in a week. If you say, I have three days, you'll get it done in three days, mixed with the student syndrome, which means that students cram at the very last minute before <laughs> exams, which ends up with people like saying, oh, this project, I'll work for it this month. They will waste a lot of time like, oh, okay, I will work on it today, but first I'll clean my room or, or no, I'll make a cup of coffee first. I'll go iron my shirts and suddenly the day passes like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. And they end up with like expanding to waste too much time to do things. Do you find that happens to you that, for example, if you're working on a project, it, the peak of activity seems to be in the last 20% of the time or not? And how do you deal with this? Um, actually, um, procrastination is a real thing. That's true, especially for students. When you have uh, like a lot of different classes you have to take care of and you also have some like personal life and some personal matters and some hobbies that you want to do. 
but honestly, it might sound um, a little weird, I guess. But for me, the problem was not procrastination, but actually not procrastinating. Because as soon as I get a project or an assignment or something like that, um, sometimes it doesn't matter how much time I have for it because I will try to do it right away. And um, I actually was trying to like um, teach myself uh, to spread out the assignment. So for example, you know, if I have three weeks to do the first assignment and only a week to do the second one, I should probably do the second one first and then I can start on the first one without feeling bad or without feeling like I lost a lot of time because I still have time to finish it. Um, and so um, it was a learning experience. I'm getting a little better at it. And so um, I feel like for me, it's the other way. I'm more productive at the beginning than at the end because at the end, um, I will always try to leave some uh, time to review my work and maybe get some uh, feedback um, just because... It always worked for me, um, especially, for example, for my English papers. I don't like writing, and um, that's something that takes a lot of my time. And so I know when I get an assignment in writing, I better uh, give myself at least like two or three weeks to finish it and, you know, uh, use the writing center that we have on campus to get some feedback, probably more than once. Um, so that's kind of how it works for me. Thank you. I love what your answer right now, because psychologically, usually people who are similar to you, who begin with intensity and do the work right away, what happens is over time, people learn that they're reliable. So they pile on them way more work than other people, and they end up working too much. And often they will go to the other extreme of not letting people know they're smart and competent because they think, my God, if they know, they will put on me the work of everyone because they think, oh, oh, that person is reliable. Why give it to this other person who probably will procrastinate and give some bad uh, results at the end? Let's go give it all to Sophia. Let's give it all to Sophia. And you end up with like all the work doing it just because of your... Um, proactive nature and hard work and therefore it feels somewhat unfair because all you get is maybe a few accolades but not much more than that <laughs> so how do you deal with it did you get a sense similar to that psychological phenomenon where where the people will go to the opposite and they will pretend to be not smart and a bit lazy so that they don't get taken advantage of or you're just taking it and burning the candle on both ends all night long and you don't care you're just climbing the mountain to the peak <laughs> that's a really good question too i actually had a conversation with my advisor about it just because now um you know at the beginning of the semester you always have to plan what classes you're gonna take um and how many classes you want to take and um every time i take so many classes and for example i know that i have two classes that are kind of um intense in writing I would always ask my advisor if he thinks I can handle it. And he always looks at me and he goes, I know you can handle it, but it's more a question if you want to handle it. So if you think you have enough time and uh, if you think you're not going to be exhausted to the point that, um, you know, you will be keeping up with all your work because, uh, you know, you are a good student and I know that you don't miss assignments and uh, you always submit them. But also I'm worried that you're going to, you know, overwork yourself um, just to finish everything on time. Um, so 
I don't know, actually, if, like what you said is true that people pretend to, uh, you know, not work as hard to uh, get it a little easier. I, I personally, I don't think I've met a person like that. Um, but I also learned that um, if you think that people give you too much work, for example, um, even if it's a professor that gives you like, you know, 10 hundred assignments at the same time, it is worth a shot to try and text the professor and explain your situation. You know, life happens. And what if something happened in your life that you can't finish this assignment on time? You can't dedicate that much time to this assignment. It always worth trying to communicate with the person because um, even your professor or your uh, employer, they are people. They go through the same, you know, they also have some events that they can control in their life. Um, so... Yeah, that's kind of how I feel like communication is a key um, to basically solving almost any problem. That's wonderful. Communication and you as someone into sciences and mathematics, etc. the more of the stereotype is that you're not good communicators. So how did you learn the value of communication? What did you work on to improve your communication skills? And how important are those skills, do you believe, nowadays for everyone? Um, honestly, you're right. <laughs> Mathematicians sometimes can be confusing just because we are such, most of us are really visual people. And so we can see it in our heads. We understand it. And so sometimes it's hard for us to uh, understand that other people don't get it and they don't see things in the same way. And actually, that's what I've learned throughout my FLEX uh, program and throughout my college career here. Just uh, working as a tutor, when people, when different people come to our math lab and they ask for help, and then when I start explaining, they tell me that, oh, I, I didn't think about this this way. I thought about this this and this way, and I'm like, oh, okay. So you look at it from a different perspective. So let me switch and try to, you know, uh, show it from your perspective so you understand it better. Um, and honestly, the communication. Um, like the importance of communication, I realized again throughout my flex career because um, as a flex student, you come here and you don't basically you don't have anything. You don't have you don't know anyone. Um, and later on, like obviously you get to know your host family, you make friends at school. Um, and when I said you don't have anything, not meaning, you know, you don't have anywhere to stay or anywhere to sleep. Obviously, your host family provides that for you, but you don't have anything like um any kind of like, I guess, expectations from anyone else uh, or any kind of um, ties most of the time. So because like, you know, uh, as you grow up, you do some hobbies, for example, that kind of tie you down maybe or uh, keep you in place. Well, when you come here, you're free to do basically or you start start doing something new uh, and free to do almost anything, you know, meaning legally. Um and so uh, throughout my flex career, I learned that if I want to learn more or um, if I'm struggling with something, I can always ask for help. And um, that's kind of how I also started college. Uh, I was very lucky uh, to um, get a really good presentation of college. Um, and I actually went on like a college tour before I came to study here. And they told me about all these resources on campus. Um, and so I was very excited to try those resources. And when I tried them, it turned out all I did was just ask for help and I got the needed help and I was less stressed and my work started getting better. Um, 
assignments came easier to me um, and I finished them quicker. Um, and so I guess that's kind of how I learned from personal experience. I just tried uh, talking to people, tried asking for help, even though it was hard at the beginning because um, I'm a pretty independent person and um, I was always telling myself, oh, you can do this yourself. You can do this yourself. You don't need help. You know, you, you got this. And maybe, yes, I can do it myself. But if I ask for help or for advice, I can do it probably like three times better. And um, that's kind of how it happened um, during the Flex program, uh, during my first years of college. And I still keep asking for help, even though um, it was hard to overcome um that feeling of like oh i don't want to bother someone or they have so much on their plate already you know i don't want to add more problems onto them um you know i i can try handle it myself but now i realized well you know your friends can ask for help um and if you think um so for example i like thinking if my friend was in trouble or he was struggling with something right and I knew about it, but I also knew that he didn't ask for my help, even though he knew or she knew that I could help them. Would I be upset? And the answer is always yes. So that's how I think about my own life, too. I'm like, well, I'm struggling, but I also know this person trusts me or this person, you know, loves me, cares for me. Um, and I know I don't want to bother them, but I'll just ask. And, you know, if they can do it, it's OK, but it's always worth asking. I love what you're saying. Actually, psychologically, a lot of people have trouble with receiving, whether it's asking for help or even sometimes receiving gifts, etc. And they found that like some of the top eight traits of people who become very successful, one of them is they ask for what they need or they ask for whatever is necessary for them to achieve their goals. So I support what you're doing and I really encourage you to keep going and if you look deep down into your soul <laughs> i know that sounds dramatic do you believe that you work harder than most people that your brain is too different compared to most people or that you're smarter than most people without saying that most people are dumb but just your own perspective thought emotion and feeling Ooh, that, that is a really deep question. And it's also a question, you know, you don't want to offend anyone uh, while answering the question. Um, but I just realized that uh, we all are different people and we are just good at different things. And so sometimes I do feel that I might be working a little bit harder than any, like than other people and not because other people don't want to work. Maybe it just comes easier to them or maybe they just... Um, I don't want to say don't care about it as much, but uh, it's not a priority for them, for example, right? But it is a priority to me. Um, so it might seem like I work harder, but sometimes it might be not true. Like I work harder in this area, but those people don't work as hard in, you know, mathematics, but they work harder, for example, in arts. And so um, I feel pretty confident in my skills and I know I still can keep going and getting better and better. And I know there are some people who are smarter than me and who work even harder than me. Um, and I just try not to compare myself, uh, to other people as much. I mean, obviously I have role models and, um, some people who I really admire and, um, I try to learn from, but I don't try to compare like, oh, you know, they have this better than me or they have, um, you know, they're smarter, smarter than me. Yes, there are, there are people who are smarter than me, but I'm also not stupid and, um, I'm good in some things. 
uh, that I enjoy doing. And that's what I also try to tell my friends and um, also tell my students now that I have at the summer camp that um, it's okay to be different and it's good to be different because the world would be boring if we all were the same. And uh, it's really important to not compare everything you have in your life just because the circumstances are different and um, the environment is different. Um, so just strive to be um, a better you today than you were yesterday. That's what I like to say. I love that you're saying about the difference. Well, actually, our unique gift or whatever we're especially great at doing, we cannot notice it because it comes to us so easily, but other people notice it about us. How was that in your situation? Did you find that other people told you about things that you thought, wow, I thought everybody thought this way or did this easily? And they were like, no, that is so wonderful. And it helped guide you towards your decisions or you're still figuring that out and you don't have much clarity, only a little bit and 1% more every day? That's a really good question too. And I feel like it's a little bit both because um, I, uh, I did get uh, some kind of like comments on my mathematical skills before um, when I was still in Ukrainian school, but just because, you know, all we all were doing the same in my class. We all were um, struggling basically. And I knew that um, my other classmates were struggling as much as I was. Um, and I knew that other people were also good at mathematics, but um, I never had like group study sessions in Ukraine. Uh, I never really compared how, you know, we learn with my friends. And so I never saw this difference before I came to uh, flex, like before I came to America as a flex student. And so <laughs> I guess now I can see why people were saying that I was like good at math because they saw that they thought, saw that I uh, understood things differently or maybe I was thinking about things differently. Um, and as I said, here in America, as a flex student, I realized that I thought differently because um, I was in the class uh, with people I didn't know. So I paid a little bit more attention of how they did things. And also in America, it's a really common thing to, you know, have a group study session. So to do homework together or to help each other and do homework together. So that's when I learned uh, that we are different and we think differently and uh, that people like most of the time people when people make compliments to you it's not just to be nice they actually mean them or at least i hope they do um and so yeah i guess um i do notice those things um but also sometimes uh it is like harder to notice them um okay i think i lost the train of thought so i'm sorry <laughs> No problem. Thank you. That was absolutely wonderful. And to finish with something, whether related to the pandemic where a lot of people felt stuck or still feeling depressed and stuck, or in general, you feel there is a piece of wisdom that the world needs to hear, what advice do you feel like sharing right now that you believe will help the listeners? Well, first of all, I want to say that it's important to remember that um, having a bad day is okay and feeling all the emotions, whether positive or negative, is okay. And that's what pandemic showed us. Um, and it is really hard when you feel like you're stuck and, you know, you're going through maybe depression and anxiety. And it is a real thing. Uh, thing. It's not 
something people just say, oh, I'm nervous or I'm worried about this. It is a real thing. Uh, so um, you need to respect people and um, if you can help them, help them. And honestly, I feel like just be kind to people um, because <laughs> the world is already kind of, you know, hard and the life is hard. So just be kind to people, um, just help them as you can and um, just try to be a team player because even with COVID, you know, uh, unless we all try together to end the pandemic, unless we all try to uh, follow the guidelines and, you know, um, if we want to get vaccinated, for example, I'm vaccinated too, then let's just do it together because only together we can overcome uh, big problems. Thank you so much, Sofia. If people want to follow you to learn more about you, what is the best social media to do that? And if there, any, if there is any project you would like to raise awareness about, you can share a bit of information and contact for that now as well. All right. Uh, well, the best way to contact me would be probably Instagram, um, which is the underscore Sophia with double I underscore Claire and underscore um, or uh, my Telegram. But if you want my Telegram, I can just send it to you uh, from Instagram. And um, right now I'm not actually working for any kind of projects, but um, I like sharing other projects on my stories, whether those are my friends or just the project that I found. Uh, so if you follow me, you probably will find some of that content. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for Key of Future because uh, this is a really cool podcast. Thank you so much. You're very kind, Sophia, and I wish you a great day. Thank you so much for inviting me here. It was a pre pleasure. Have a good day, too.